You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. couple things on the docket today, but because I have no idea how long this is going to take, let's just start with the first thing, and that is PFF grades. Um, yes, I am still planning on doing a laughing at the enemy, and I don't want it to get too far away from the Bears so as to look um, irrelevant or, well, I guess I don't care if it looks petty. Petty is kind of the point. But again, these things take time. There's also a couple other things that I want to look at that I think are fun, like, you know, everything Christian Watson. But again, we'll see how things work out in the interest of time. With that said, we should probably just get started. In the Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears game, Looking at the offense, we had 18 players taking snaps. I don't look at snap counts enough. I probably should. Why don't we start it there? It is interesting to see who's playing how much. So obviously the offense played 66 snaps. I know because uh, there were six guys that played exactly 66, and there were six guys that never left the field, which would be the offensive line and the quarterback. After that, at 62 snaps, you have Alan Lazard, followed closely at 61 by Christian Watson, Then you had 45 with A.J. Dillon, which obviously is very high. This had probably a lot to do with Aaron Jones' injuries and worked out to A.J. Dillon's benefit, as is another thing I want to touch on. After that, you have tight end Robert Tunyon, then Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis at 28, then Aaron Jones, again, low because of injuries, then Samore Ture down here at 12 snaps, Uh, Josiah DeGuara at 10, Tyler Davis, 7, Sammy Watkins, 7, and then Patrick Taylor, 6. All of these, for the most part, make sense. A couple notable points. Lazard still playing more than Watson, even if it's just one snap, just for the sake of being very clear on uh, where the team stands, or maybe I shouldn't even say very clear, but um, I just don't want to jump the gun and say Watson is is the very obvious number one clear dominant wide receiver and everyone else is just a piece of garbage, stupid loser, or however you would phrase that. I don't think we're there yet. Um, Again, the running back thing is largely due to injuries and whatnot, including Patrick Taylor coming out because of, I think Dylan even got banged up for a second, which my man Taylor came in, got us that first down, pretty dope. Um, Randall Cobb was the next wide receiver, which shouldn't surprise anyone. Samori Ture getting a lot of love as far as the conversation, but as far as the snap counts, not really climbing the ranks all that much. He did leapfrog 
Sammy Watkins, who is basically down in the bottom rungs of irrelevancy. However, when Romeo Dobbs comes back, that's when things will get interesting. Will Sammy Watkins even see the field? Um, Samori Torre probably going to see a significant drop. I'm curious if they're just going to remove Torre and keep Sammy at his seven range, or if it's going to be Sammy, Sammy gets taken off the radar and Samori Torre is going to be down in the Sammy Watkins range of getting five, six, seven snaps. That is of interest to me. Tight ends still... Tunyon, top dog, then Mercedes Lewis as a blocker. Josiah still not getting any love, which annoys me, but it is what it is. And um, I think that's it. I think it's about everything. Um, I guess somewhat of interest as far as the snap counts go, the, the tight ends are, are not just Mercedes. All of them are used heavily in the run game, primarily. Um, Tunyon, even though he is seen as largely a receiving tight end, 15 of his snaps came as a run blocker, 18 as a receiver. So it's nearly 50-50 even for him. Um, Mercedes Lewis obviously was much higher in the run blocking category, 16 run blocking reps as opposed to nine receiving, um, Josiah DeGuara four compared to six, which is actually surprising. I mean, it's still 50, 50, but he's kind of in that Robert Tunyon range, but, uh, Tyler Davis, surprisingly zero times he was used as a receiver five times as a run blocker, twice as a pass blocker. So they just removed him. One week, by the way, after Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee and said, I shouldn't have even bothered to throw it to him because I shouldn't have expected him to do the right thing. He doesn't get a single snap as a route runner, interestingly enough. Anyways, let's take a look at the, um, the grades. Again, 18 players on the team. Five of them had good or higher grades. Uh, 12 of them with average or better. Uh, All the rest were lower with only two of them coming in at sub 50. So that would be six with 50 or lower. The, uh, let's start with the bad news first. The two that are real low, Robert Tunyon and Randall Cobb, surprisingly with his lowest graded game, um, probably of the year. I want to double check that. Yeah, he actually, he's actually been struggling as much as we've been talking about Randall Cobb's been having a good year. Um, that kind of fell off after about week five. I mean, he did have an injury. He was out for a while. Maybe he just hasn't quite bounced back. Uh, I don't know if his injury happened in the Jets game or what, but um, just to look at it, I mean, the Minnesota game was bad. It was a 58 overall grade, but after that, 85, 81, 69, basically, so 70, and then 84-ish. After that, week six, he had a 58. Then he got injured, and he came back, and it's been 70, 63, and 47. So, I mean, two of his lowest games have come in the last two weeks. You know, I mean, there was the Week 6 Jets game and the Week 1 Minnesota game, but his lowest of the season was this past week, and he hasn't had a really good game since Week 5. So, I mean, yeah, Randall is still um, one of the better receivers, but the overall notion that he's one of the better receivers this year and everything as far as his overall grade and all that that really hasn't been the case um I mean it was it was it was a four week stretch week two three four and five is essentially what it was as for Tunyon I mean listen I I you know where I've stood on Tunyon I've always said that the fan base has overrated this guy um he's never really been that good his best year ever was in 2020 when he had a billion touchdowns and even then he had a 68 overall grade. I'm pretty sure that was the year he had a billion. I'm not even positive. Uh, come on. Yeah. The guy had 12 touchdowns and only managed a 68 overall grade, just to give you an idea of 
you know, how super mega elite the guy is. Otherwise, his grades have been a 60, 55, 54, and this year so far a 57. He's had one good game the entire year. That was week six against the Jets. Otherwise, 55, 62, 55, 62, 62, 35, 59, 62, 55, 54, 61, and this year, this week, a 48. Robert Tunyon's not a very good tight end, bottom line. Robert Tunyon's never been a very good tight end, bottom line. He had one year where he happened to catch a bunch of touchdown passes. That's it. And you know how I feel about fleeting stats, stats that have low numbers overall. They generally don't happen numerous times. Even even Devontae, when he had, you know, an inflated, I mean, he had a bunch of touchdowns just like everything else, but when you have this sort of standalone stat, same with Razul and his interceptions or anybody with a bunch of interceptions or Kyler Fackrell with his sack year, I mean, some guys are just really, really good and they get a, a, a decent chunk of touchdowns or a bunch of sacks. But when you have somebody that's never really done anything, that's really not good at much, I mean, even just as a receiver, didn't have a ton of yards doesn't grade out very well as a receiver or a blocker or anything, but just happens to be getting a ton of touchdowns, that's just a real good sign that this is not a real thing that's going to last. The touchdowns are going to drop off, and as a result, so does everything else. He's been with the team for five years, and has just never really done a ton. So part of the reason I'm really upset about DeGuara getting as little opportunities as he has is because we don't have an elite anything anywhere. I'm not saying DeGuara is an elite tight end, but to pretend as though we have that elite guy and, and we just can't really push any more opportunities his way because, you know, we just got this guy that's so good. No, we don't. You're going to tell me with a straight face that DeGuara in his limited opportunities hasn't already been better than Tunyon? Yards per route run, we've been over this and it stays the same. Josiah DeGuara is higher. Not by a massive amount, but he's higher. He's done more with his opportunities than Tunyon has. Even as an H-back, he has a higher yardage per reception, which you wouldn't expect. I mean, you got the guy who's playing in the slot against the guy who's playing as a fullback, and the fullback guy has a larger yards per reception at 9.3. Excuse me, 9.6. Tunyon has one more touchdown than DeGuara has, because he has one. So I, I don't, I don't want to just dog the guy, but there's just too much undue respect, and there always has been way too high of a respect given to Tunyon um, as one of the potentially premier tight ends. And I don't think anybody's saying that anymore, but I just want to drive the final nail in that coffin. It's not a thing. It's never been a thing. And we need to just stop pretending like it's, it ever was or ever will be a thing. Now that we've established that, it would be nice to kind of get that, uh, that real good tight end. Just saying. Not, not a need, but it would be nice. Certainly helps all the other teams that have them. All right. Um, other, let's call it, Below average players. Josh Myers at center was the next lowest, then Samori Ture, then Josiah DeGuara, then Sammy Watkins. Average, uh, starting from lowest to highest, Aaron Rodgers, Tyler Davis, Mercedes Lewis, Zach Tom, John Runyon, Yash Nyman, Patrick Taylor. Good players, Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, A.J. Dillon. Great player, Elton Jenkins. Now, it's been three weeks in a row for Elton Jenkins. I'm about ready to welcome him back into the fold. Against Tennessee, he didn't have a great run blocking grade, but he had a 90 pass blocking grade, and it was like, all right, that's what we need to see from the guy. From the, guy. the next week, he was good in pass blocking and run blocking, getting 70s in both. This week, 77 as a run blocker, so that's two weeks in a row, and a nearly 90 pass blocking grade. Elton Jenkins 
seems to be completely back on track. The, the, the only question I have, and, and the reason, honestly, I'm not really doubting it, is because this is what Elton Jenkins was almost entirely last year when we saw him. So the, the, the question isn't, was he for real? It, it, to me, it was more of a, why is he falling off? And it was probably injury and everything else. But the question at this point that I have, because I do believe that it's real, is do we keep him at guard or do we at some point move him back to tackle? So many moving pieces with that. I mean, if he is a premier tackle, you put him at tackle, period. What about Bakhtiari? What about Zach Tom? What about Yash Nyman? Do we kick him back outside after we move on from um, Bakhtiari? I mean, think about it. You, you could have next year Zach Tom and Elton Jenkins playing tackle. We could lose Yash and David Bakhtiari and not really miss a beat. Now, we don't have any depth, and maybe Yash is, is a backup. I'm not saying we have to get rid of him, although we do have uh, Rashid Walker, who seems to be somewhat promising as a backup tackle. I'm just saying there's a lot of components here. We don't have to move Elton Jenkins back to tackle. We could keep David Bakhtiari and keep Elton Jenkins and keep Yash Nyman and obviously keep Zach Tom and have four capable tackles with, you know, keep keep Yash and David Bakhtiari at tackle and maybe uh, Zach plays inside and Elton plays inside. I, I, don't, I don't know. Just saying there's a lot of components here. And the fact that Elton Jenkins is going to be asking for a billion dollars on top of the fact that we don't really need him to play tackle would probably dissuade us a little bit. However, Elton realizes he can be a tackle. He wants to be paid that way. And if the Packers aren't going to do it, I'm sure somebody else will. And that's going to be the problem. Elton's not going to, hey, we got a big old guard contract for you. He's going to look at you and say, you can take that guard contract and you can shove it. I'm going to play out my time here in Green Bay and somebody's going to play me to be a premier tackle and I'm going to go somewhere else. So that leads me to believe that he will be kicked back out to tackle at some point. Which side? Is he going to be the new left tackle after Bakhtiari leaves? Is he going to take over for Yash back on the right side? I don't know. But the good news is, all that matters, Elton Jenkins is back. That's a hit. That's a home run. Don't worry about the money. They'll figure it out. It's all good news. I'm just, it's just a curiosity thing. Anyways, uh, kind of sorting through the details here, starting with quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we don't need to get into all the details, although I didn't really cover the stats. 18 of 31, 58.1 completion percentage is not super great. Um, his adjusted completion percentage at 69 is also relatively low. In other words, we're removing the two drops and the two throwaways, and uh, it comes up somewhat, but 69 is still relatively low for uh, adjusted completion percentage. 5.9 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one big-time throw, which is 2.9%, zero turnover-worthy plays. Uh, time to throw is 3.34, and we obviously saw that in this game. Again, I, I don't know. I think that's what I'm going to end up doing here in a little bit, probably after I get done with this, is going back and watching the game, assuming it's available, to try to see. I mean, the 3.34 seconds, what the heck is that? And I know people hate when, when you go back and do that, and you tar- start taking screen grabs of, hey, look, here he is. You know, he can throw it, and the guy's open or whatever, but that's kind of what I'm going to be looking at, because I'm just curious. Um, and again, I didn't really see anybody open, so I'm not expecting to find a bunch of receivers open. But I am intrigued and interested to see because it really hasn't been the case all year. I mean, it's great we had the offensive line play there. Could you imagine if nobody was open and our offensive line was playing like it was earlier in the season? This would have been a catastrophe. We would have had no points and the Bears would have just completely wiped us out. But fortunately, Rodgers had all day to just stand in the pocket. Um, One scramble, 11 first downs, 85.7 passer rating. Um, As far as his abilities under pressure... Nothing super out of the ordinary. In fact, he was under pressure almost never, 15.8%, which is extremely low. He was 2 of 5 for 19 yards. He had a 55 overall grade. Again, that's pretty standard. 
The problem was in a clean pocket, he had a 63.3 overall grade, 16 of 26, 61.5% completion percentage, 163 yards and a touchdown, one big-time throw, no turnover-worthy plays, 92.3 passer rating. Um, really, his, he had a lower grade on play action than no play action, which is usually not the case. We usually do pretty well with play action stuff. We didn't run it very often. Uh, about 22% of the time we ran play action, so kind of a weird situation there, although I don't think we were running a ton. Um, he was 0 for 4 on deep passes. Again, I don't exactly remember the details. I know the Randall Cobb throw was weird. I don't know if the throw was off, but also why didn't Randall adjust to it? Did he not see it? I don't know. It's it such a weird thing. Uh, the one area where he did excel as far as his grade was in the medium 10 to 19 range. He was 6 of 10 for 100 yards and a touchdown, 77.7 passer rating for those that are interested. His best, best area was intermediate center. Five attempts, four completions, 71 uh, yards. So there you go. Actually, intermediate right was a slightly higher grade, but just one attempt, one completion. Anyways, looking at the receivers, specifically the receiving grades, Lazard was the highest graded receiving grade at 76.8. A.J. Dillon, 72.6. Aaron Jones, 71.2. Watson was a 68.6, and then it's a plummet from there. 54.3 for Samori Ture, 52.7 Josiah, 49.3 for Tunyon, 46.7 for Mercedes, and a 43.6 for Randall Cobb. Cobb and Mercedes both got dinged for drops. I'm surprised the Mercedes thing was considered a drop because that pass looked like trash, but I guess you still should catch it. That was very weird. The Randall thing, I kind of... Well, actually, he, he, he did have a terrible drop in that game. That one hit him like in the chest. The deeper one, I don't know if that would be necessarily his fault. Mercedes, though? I don't know. Uh, somewhat of a weird situation here. Maybe this has to do with Randall's decline slightly, but the highest... Slot percentage was Aaron Jones, followed by Samori Ture. And I had mentioned I was surprised that Samori was playing such a high level from the slot, um, that it was in Randall Cobb territory. Randall Cobb, 46.7. He's usually at like 80%. He's sub-50 in this particular game. Um, so that is that is odd to me that they're having him. I remember we did that once before when we had a ton of injuries, and he was terrible when we had him on the boundary. He's not a boundary guy. He is, he is as pure of a slot guy as you'll find. So maybe it's just the lack of, of, um, of people. Maybe we just weren't running a lot of three wide receiver. So we, I don't know. I'm not sure what the situation is, but I, I, I haven't always paid attention, but I don't remember seeing him that low before. And I'm curious how far that goes back. I'm going to try to look really quickly. Yeah. So the lowest before this game was a 63% in week three. It's been 96, 66, 63, then 89, 83, 85, 88, 70, and then 46.7 in this game. So weird. And it was, not surprisingly, the worst game he played all year. I wonder if he's ever been sub-50%. Well, I, like I said, there was that one year I think he played a ton on the boundary because he needed to. But the weird thing is, it, it, it seemed like it was evenly distributed. It's not that uh, nobody was really in the slot. It's just it seems like it's being shared a lot. They're just mixing things up, which I guess is fine. I think it's just hurting more of the pure slot guys. But Christian Watson, 30% from the slot. Tunyon, 30%. Lazard, 35%. Randall, 46 Samore, 50 And then Aaron Jones, 58%. Yards per route run. Uh, how good did you do with your opportunities? Aaron Jones was number one, 2.18. Lazard, 2.16. Watson, 1.6. Dylan, 1.3. And then down from there. Longest reception goes to Alan Lazard for 21 yards. Uh, drops in this game. We've got one for Randall, one for Mercedes, as I was saying. 
Come on, stop doing that, please. Thank you so much. Contested catches. Christian Watson again. The only guy that did. What is his percentage right now? Because he has been absolutely dominant with his contested catch rate. And I've been mentioning how it's not just straight line speed for him. He's five of six so far. 80. He was at 80. I think he was at 80%. He was number two among all rookies. He's now up to 83%. It's really remarkable what he's doing as far as contested catches, which is somewhat understandable being as big as he is, but that doesn't always necessarily translate. I remember that from the uh, from looking at draft stuff. Um, you always expect the six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound receivers to be dominant as far as uh, contested catches, and a lot of them are not. They're thirty percent, forty percent, eighty three percent is is insane. In fact, I'm curious, just in the entire NFL, where that ranks because that is quite high. So Christian Watson is actually third. He is the highest, tied with Darnell Mooney in Chicago, but it is the highest outside of Trent Sherfield and Mecole Hardman, who are at 100%. Uh, Trent Sherfield is five for five, which is probably the most impressive. Mecole Hardman is just two for two. But outside of that, um, Watson and Darnell Mooney are both five for six. So, I mean, legitimately, this is one of the best you'll find as far as contested catches. And it really just helps to build out the overall belief that this isn't just a fluke. This isn't just a guy who runs fast and the defenses haven't adjusted yet or whatever. And it's just kind of, you know, the touchdowns might be a little fluky. It's hard to imagine he's going to be able to maintain this for his career because you're going to be talking about some of the highest touchdown rates like ever. But that's that's the question. When the touchdowns dwindle, is there something behind it? And when you start seeing the contested catches and the, the, the better routes and the different ways that he's utilizing, the different things he's doing, that's what gives me confidence more than anything else. The touchdowns, I can, I can, I don't want to say take it or leave it because obviously it means something, but I just assume that it's going to come down. And I just want to know that there's going to be a really good wide receiver sitting there and seeing that he is like the second highest rate of, of contested catches is really, imp- really impressive. Missed tackles forced in this game. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, those are receiving missed tackles forced. First downs, Lazard with five. Watson with three. A.J. Dillon, two. Aaron Jones with one. Passer rating when targeted. Christian Watson was the highest at 116.7. I'm curious because he's got to be really high, too, with all the touchdowns. I'm just curious where he is as a career. Yeah, fourth highest passer rating. I should save this because I wanted to go on a uh, Christian Watson bender, uh, which I will. But that's, I mean, it's just nuts, man. It's just absolutely insane. The uh, Well, we'll save it. 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 But yeah, fourth highest. <laughs> but he had the highest passer rating in this game, followed by Alan Lazard at 113, A.J. Dillon 102, and all down from there. Looking at the rushing grades, um, yards per attempt, Christian Watson was actually the highest yards per attempt at 46 with a touchdown. Uh, he had a 70 rushing grade. I don't know how you get a 70 on that. <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't give him a 99. What, what is he? What is the guy supposed to do? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, Patrick Taylor was six yards per attempt on his uh, one attempt for six yards. A.J. Dillon, 5.2, uh, 18 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Jones, 926, 2.9. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers at 1.3 yards per attempt. After contact, Patrick Taylor, three yards after contact per attempt. Aaron Jones, 2.67. A.J. Dillon, 2.44, which is, is kind of a good thing in a way. I mean, we always want him to be a big yards after contact guy because he's so physical, but really I just want to see you running well. You know, I mean, it, it points to a really well blocking, uh, well blocked run, good offensive line blocking, whatever the sentence is, it doesn't matter. They're blocking really well, but also he's following his blockers. 
right? He's not freelancing. He's he's doing the right things, hitting the hole and, and getting the yardage just as it is, taking what's sitting there. Missed tackles forced only two, and that was Aaron Jones. Longest carry, obviously, was Christian Watson at 46, followed by Dylan at 21, Aaron Jones at 11. Carries of over 10 yards, Dylan had two, Watson and Jones had one. Uh, carries over 15 yards, Dylan still had two of those, Watson obviously had one. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, let's see, we got the elusiveness grades, Aaron Jones at 57, A.J. Dylan at 11.6, and nobody else had anything. And then finally, we've got blocking, which is uh, always exciting stuff. Left tackle, Zach Tom had a 77.4 pass blocking grade, but a 53.4 run blocking grade, which I think for a lot of us, we're more than happy to accept that at this point. Um, He's clearly doing a very good job, and he's got some stuff to work through, especially as a run blocker. I mean, that's kind of his thing, right? He's 6'4", 304. He's very athletic. Um, So, you know, the the pass blocking is a little bit easier for him than, than maybe handling some of the more physical run blocking stuff, which is why I didn't really understand him as much as a guard. Um, but he's also improved as a run blocker since he's moved to tackle, I would say. His worst two games came weeks, uh, well, I guess that's not true. He was week seven, he was a tackle, whatever. Point is, it's just, it's it's going to be a little bit harder, I think, for him when you limit his mobility on the inside and kind of take away that athleticism and, and force him to be a little bit more in terms of physicality. I'm not saying he can't handle it. I just like him at tackle. But um, in his last four games, his pass blocking grades have been 82, 57, 83, and 77. His week one was a 34, right? Week one was a disaster, which was scary because in the preseason, he did so good. Then week one, he comes out, he's a disaster. And it's like, oh, shoot, man, maybe he's not that good. And it was just preseason and we hyped him up for nothing. But um, yeah, since then, like I said, 82, 57, 83, 77, uh, the run blocking hasn't been super great, but he did have couple decent games. I mean, since week eight, 74, 62, 53. You know, not the greatest, but not the worst. In fact, out of curiosity, since week seven, and they still have him listed as a guard, but if we just, let's just do all offensive linemen, I guess. Um, If we look at pass blocking, over, we're talking tackles, guards, and centers. David Bakhtiari is ranked 11th. John Runyon is ranked 20th. Zach Tom is ranked 23rd. If you look just at guards, um, John Runyon is the sixth highest pass blocking guard. Zach Tom is the ninth highest pass blocking quote unquote guard. If you superimpose his grades among the tackles, which is an 81.4 overall pass blocking grade since week seven, he would be the 13th highest graded tackle as a pass blocker. David Bakhtiari is eighth. So obviously very positive. And again, for most of us, you would uh, happily ignore some rough patches as a run blocker. In fact, that was most of David Bakhtiari's career. Pretty much until Matt LaFleur got here, he was kind of a subpar run blocker and was just a dominant pass blocker. And then, you know, Matt LaFleur shows up and he's like, hey, we got to start taking this run blocking thing seriously. Let's teach you some stuff about how to do that properly. And David Bakhtiari is like, all right, cool, man. Figures it out, masters it, becomes a really good run blocker. In fact, of the top 10... um, pass-blocking offensive tackles, only two of them have really high run-blocking grades, and that's David Bakhtiari and Trent Williams, and that's it. Anyways, left guard Elton Jenkins, we already talked about, uh, really good overall, run-blocking 77, pass-blocking 87, just absolutely dominant, didn't give up a single pressure, by the way, Zach Tom gave up one hurry in the game, 
Center Josh Myers, 78.2 pass blocking, 47.4 run blocking. Um, it is worth noting this is a bad Bears defensive line. As I said, they have no pass rush. But still, um, across the board, really good pass blocking. Josh Myers getting added to that group. Been pretty critical of Josh um, recently. And, um, you know, it's it's for for a reason. But I, I will say that the he's kind of a John Runyon type of a guy. Um, the run blocking is consistently subpar. The pass blocking isn't as consistent as John Runyon, but it, at least it's pretty solid. It's kind of like average, average, good, average, average, good. Just ripping through the season, um, 60, 82, 71, 66, 74, 61, 83, 65, 61, 68, 84, 59, 78. So it's, it's very, very up and down as a pass blocker, but he's never been putrid as a pass blocker. He's never really even been bad as a pass blocker. He's also never been terrible as a run blocker. I think his lowest grade is a, ah, that's not true. This past week was a 47, but prior to that was a 50. So that's kind of low for him. The problem is he just, he's never been good at it. His highest was a 70.6. That was his only game in the 70s as a run blocker. But, you know, willing to be patient. He's a second round pick. The, uh, The pass blocking seems to be there, although, again, inconsistent. You'd like to see that improve. But overall, he has improved. Uh, from year one to year two so far, 65.9 pass blocking has now become a 75.7. 49.4 run blocking has become a 54.6. His overall grade last year at 54.9 is up to a 61.4. Nothing massive to write home about, but it is improvement. And for a guy that was hurt for you know half of last year, um, this being his first full year, it's good to see that uh, he does seem to be getting better. And, and, and again, if, if you're only good at one thing, be a good pass blocker. And we'll figure out the rest from there. So, right guard John Runyon, pretty standard game for him. Fifty-six uh, run blocking and eighty-two pass blocking grade. Again, Runyon that that is wildly consistent. He does have bigger swings, but he's more consistently good. He has more good run blocking games. He has way more solid pass blocking games, and and most of the time they're in the eighties. He's got an eighty-four, an eighty-six, an eighty-eight, an eighty-seven, an eighty-three, an eighty, and this week an eighty-two. That's just this year. However. When he's not in the 80s, he's got a 53, a 58, and a 43. Same with run blocking. He's got more games in the 70s. He's got a 76, he's got a 73, he's got a 78, but he also has a 39, a 45, a 33, a 41. So Runyon is is a more consistently dominant pass blocker, like elite level pass blocker. But when he has a bad day, it's probably worse than Josh Meyer's bad day. He also has a little bit more good games as a run blocker. But I would say it's more consistently bad to terrible. And then finally, Yash Nyman with an 80 overall pass blocking grade. Didn't give up a single pressure in the game. Did have a 64.8 run blocking grade. Um, Yash so far this season, very similar to everybody else. Pretty consistent pass blocker. Hasn't had a bad day since week four against New England. He had two bad weeks against Tampa and New England since then. He's been just rock solid as a pass blocker. His worst game was against Philly. It was a 59, which is not the worst thing in the world. Um... The run blocking, also been very consistent, although, again, he had the two back-to-back bad games randomly, uh, Week 8 against Buffalo, Week 9 against Detroit. Otherwise, just consistently in the 60s, pretty similar to Josh Myers. One good, a bunch of 60s outside of that. Again, just the two really bad games, though. But for a 2019 undrafted free agent sliding in at tackle with a having a you know high 70s pass blocking grade is pretty solid. Bigger issue for me is the, uh, the eight penalties. Four games in a row, he's had... Uh, He's had penalties, and then week seven, he had three in that game. So since week seven, he's averaging just above a penalty a game, which is not great. 
Anyways, why don't we take a break right here? Uh, we'll come back, take a look at the defense, and see if we have any time to talk about a few other things. But patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is uh, where you can go if you'd like to support this podcast directly. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, if you'd like to support them, please consider doing so at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All righty, let's take a look at the defense. 17 players played on defense. We'll get into snap counts, but we had five of them with good grades, two of them with great grades. We had, um, let me flip this around so I don't have to do math in my head, six with below average grades, three with uh, sub-50 grades, one of them, was in the 30s. Pretty much all of this is disappointing and going to upset people, but let's do it anyways. Let's look at snap counts first real quick. 52 total defensive snaps, guys that played all of them. Quay, Jair, Rudy Ford, Razul, Devondre, and Amos. Kind of interesting to see Rudy Ford there. Um, Preston played uh, 41 snaps after that, followed by Kenny at 39. Keyshawn at 37. Reed at 36. Kingsley at 29. Lowry, 26. Garvin, 19, Hollins, 14, Devontae Wyatt still down at 9, getting those single-digit snaps as he does. TJ Slayton also at 9. Micah Abernathy, who was uh, much hyped that he was going to be playing in this game, one opportunity, so that's cool. Um, All right, the worst grade of the entire group was Kingsley and Igbari, which sucks because we like getting excited about Kingsley and how good of a job he's doing. I guess everybody has bad days. It's bound to happen. It's a thing. Um, but to be fair, he's had as many bad days, or I should say terrible days, as he's had good days, which is also me lying. 
because he's had two really good games and three really bad games, um, but several several good games in between. I don't know. Do with that information what you will. Um, he's still young. He's still raw. It's it is what it is. Thirty three run block uh, run defense grade is his biggest issue. The two sub fifty grades forties. Jaron Reed and Rudy Ford. Again, that sucks. We like getting excited about Rudy. This is now, I think, the second time that I've said this. He had a th- so an 88 overall grade in Week 10, then a 33 Week 11, then an 88 in uh, Week 12, and then a 48 Week 13. So pretty inconsistent. But I guess you'll take that, considering we had no expectations of Rudy, and to have two basically elite games out of four is pretty cool. Um, grades in the 50s, Devondre. He's coming back from injury. I guess we'll cut him some slack, although it hasn't been great. Garvin, it's right about what you would expect, a 54 overall grade. And then again, Adrian Amos, who just refuses to claw his way out of the basement and has just been sitting there almost all year. He had a 71.8 overall grade week 11. Um, Otherwise, he's had three good games, week four against New England, week six against the Jets, and again, Tennessee week 11. Aside from that, it's been 28, 59, 66, 66, 66. 40, 64, 56, 44, and 57 the last two weeks. Um, he has a 54 overall grade. This is by far his worst uh, year ever. Um, although last year, not super high for him. 74 was his lowest since 2016 in Chicago. So two of his worst years since basically his rookie year have come the last two years, which is exactly what I said about Darnell Savage, isn't it? That his two worst years came under Joe Barry. It's interesting, isn't it? Jair having one of his worst years, and Kenny's having one of his worst years, and everybody's kind of having their worst year. D- D- it's, it's, it's hard to not look square at Joe Barry and just say, why are you doing this, dude? How? Let me ask you this, too. How bad do you have to be? Because I feel like if you just show up with a, with a play sheet and you have no... Like, if you just handed it to me, and you're like, just pick one. Like, All right, uh, do that one. I would assume that at the very least, my entire defense wouldn't be playing their worst years ever. Joe Barry is the anti-Vic Fangio. Remember Fangio 2018 Bears? Everybody played way beyond their abilities, and you knew that they were going to fall off, but at the time, it still sucked to watch. That's the Packers. And the good news is you can expect a bounce back. The bad news is, what the heck, dude? But yeah, Amos uh, stays bad. Uh, average, Hollins, Kenny Clark, surprisingly. Uh, Dean and Quay and Preston. Good grades. Again, going to upset people, but Jair, I know he gave up the two big plays, but uh, six targets, five receptions, 121 yards, and a pick. I'm guessing the pick helped him a little bit. Plus, he had a 70, 76 run defense grade and 80 tackling grade, which usually he's pretty bad at that, but that kind of helped him with this but also a 74 coverage grade. Now, he did have uh, 30 times he was out there, and he gave up, what was it, five receptions? And it does still seem kind of high for such bad grades, but or stats, I should say. But whatever. Uh, TJ Slayton had the fourth highest at 76.8. Razul, again, I have no idea why Razul would be so high because I remember him getting beat most of the day. But maybe aside from the... Uh, three receptions for 29 yards that he gave up. He was great. I don't know. It was it was kind of early in the game, too. He gave up like two right away, and uh, he was pretty quiet after that. But 79 uh, overall grade, 79.6 coverage grade, 78 tackling, 66 run defense, blah, blah, blah. And then Keyshawn Nixon, 
83.5 overall, 89.2 coverage grade. Devontae Wyatt, 87.7. 60 run defense, 66 tackling, 71 pass rush. Why he's at 87.7, I don't know. He must have done something magical that didn't show up in his other grades uh, to make it that high, but there you go. As far as run defense, specifically Jair and Keyshawn are the only two that had good grades, which is terrible when your corners are the only ones that have good grades. Bad grades, uh, boy, it's pretty much the whole team. Dean, Kenny, Garvin, Campbell, Quay, Amos, Reed, Kingsley, and Rudy Ford. Tackling, uh, the bad tackling was Quay, Keyshawn Nixon, and Rudy Ford. Pass rush, only two guys had good grades, Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton. Uh, bad grades, Preston and Keyshawn. Coverage, a lot of good coverage, which, again, is surprising. But Quay, Jair, Preston, Razul, Keyshawn, nobody really had bad grades, although Devondre Campbell was below a 60. He was the only one. Pressures, there really weren't hardly any. There were only 10 total pressures in this game, which is one of the lowest I've seen. Zero sacks in the game. Three pressures coming by way of Kenny Clark. 23 attempts, so that's a pretty good ratio there, I guess. Kingsley, two pressures on 19 attempts, so right at 10%. Jonathan Garvin, one on seven, which is fine. TJ Slayton, one on three attempts, which is great. Keyshawn, one on two attempts. Dean Lowry, one on 12. Jaron Reed, one pressure, 21 attempts, which is the one kind of standout bad one there, I guess, and nobody else had anything, uh, including... uh, Who's the guy that graded out well? Devontae Wyatt didn't have any pressures. Already did some of the coverage stats, but um, going through targets, receptions, yards, etc. Devondre Campbell was the most targeted. Eight targets, seven receptions, 62 yards. Jair, six targets, five receptions, 121 yards, uh, one interception. Razul, four targets, three receptions, 29 yards. Rudy Ford, three targets, two receptions, 29 yards. Keyshawn Nixon, two targets, one reception, and a pick, uh, 14 yards and a pick. Quay Walker, one target, one reception, one yard. Adrian Amos, one target, one reception, negative two yards. Special teams continues to shine. I know I say it every week, but, you know, remember, it was it was like high 60s was as good as it used to be. Now we got several guys in that high 60s category, including Micah Abernathy, Isaiah McDuffie, Justin Hollins, Innes Gaines, Josiah DeGuara, Kingsley and Igbari with a 71.5. And then you got Keyshawn Nixon at an 80 overall grade, Patrick Taylor at an 85.4 special teams grade, Eric Wilson, who continues to dominate on special teams with a 90.5, and Dean freaking Lowry with a 98.8, probably because of that blocked, which they, they didn't they say like it was TJ Slayton and Kenny Clark, and I saw a guy jump up and block it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was a white guy, but yeah, maybe that was Kenny. I don't know. Could be like the reflection off of the sun. I don't know how that works, but I don't think that was Kenny Clark. No, I'm pretty sure that was Dean. Uh, the only bad... Special teams grade, Corey Ballantine. Everybody else, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. But seeing 90s is super rare, especially for the Packers, but Eric Wilson, Dean Lowry in the 90s. So again, people are dogging the special teams. I'm telling you, this this special teams is a lot better. There's still issues, like there was almost a block punt again and just random nonsense like that. But on a player-to-player basis, they're, they are doing significantly better. We have a lot more guys that are just doing a really good job. It's just not as heralded. We want to see the big stuff, right? The big returns, the big blocks, and, you know, a missed kick means special teams is garbage. Well, you got 17 guys doing a good job. One guy gives up a block one time, and it's like, this special teams unit sucks. Well, no. One guy sucks, and he sucked one time. That's, you know, it's a different thing. I know it's big, but it's still one guy doing one thing one time. 
Uh, kick return, Keyshawn Nixon, four returns, 102 yards. 35 yards was his longest, 25.5 average, which is right about what you want. Randall Cobb with his one return on uh, punt returns, 15 yards, 15-yard average, obviously. And then uh, kicking Mason, two for two on extra points, two for two on field goals, including a 20-some-odd uh, yarder and a 30-some-odd yarder. I don't know the exact distance, doesn't matter. And then Pat O'Donnell punting, three punts, 134 yards, 44.7 average, 38.7 net. 52 yards was the long. Um, one of them was returned for 18 yards. Uh, two of them were fair caught. 4-3-3 was the average hang time. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to get into anything else. We're kind of late, and I definitely don't want to get into Christian Watson right now because I don't want that to be just something tacked on to the end. So I, I do think I'm going to leave it here for now. I mean, we've, we've got uh, a lot of time to cover a lot of ground, so we'll just leave it at that for today. Anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.